Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. Hi, everyone. You are tuned in to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, your host. And in the next hour, you're going to know a little bit more about your pet than you do now. So stay with me here. Little housekeeping, my web address is talkwithfrancesca.com. And if you miss part of the show, you're going to definitely want to hop on over to my iTunes page and listen there. The show is sponsored by Antico Forno in the North End, when you will only accept the absolute best in Italian food, great service, and a super fun setting. Antico Forno is your go-to spot, I know, because it also happens to be my favorite. All right, we're going to dive right in. For all the love and attention we give our pets, so much of what they do remains, well, mysterious. We know what it means when dogs wag their tails, I think, but what about when they sniff and roll on a stinky spot? Why do they play tug-of-war with one dog while showing their bellies to another? Why are some dogs shy while others are bold? What goes on in dogs' heads and hearts, and how much can we know and understand? Carl Safina is the author of 10 books, including the New York Times bestseller, Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel. He is the founding president of the nonprofit Safina Center, and he hosted the PBS series, Saving the Ocean. His writing appears in the New York Times, Time Magazine, The Guardian, Yale, and National Geographic, to name just a few. Audubon Magazine named Carl amongst its 100 notable conservationists conservationists of the 20th century. His recent TED Talk received over a million views in the past month. That's where I found him. And so it's safe to say we're very lucky to have him with us here this evening. So big welcome to you, Carl. Thanks for joining us tonight on Talk with Francesca. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. It's really fun to be with you. Well, I'm afraid that if if, uh, I put that book on my coffee table, it would get scoffed up very quickly by a number of people. Um, But anyway, um, at the beginning of your TED Talk, you say that humans are much more concerned about themselves, such such if their pets love them or they just want to treat. I say both. Really, seriously, I think they want to treat, and I think they do love us. But why do you open with that? Oh, well, I open with it because I think it's a question that most of us wonder about if we have pets, and I think it's uh, just a, just a good starting point because uh, you know everybody who has a dog has probably asked themselves that question. Mm. You know, there, there is a, a, a people say so often here. Well, I'm a cat person, or I'm a dog person. Um, now, I have a different feeling. I have my own feelings why I'm a dog person rather than a cat person. But um, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on that. Uh, well, I have had cats not for a very long time. When I was a kid, I had I had cats, um, and we've had dogs for a while now. I've had dogs off and on through my life. Right now we have three. Um, Oh, that's all? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's all right now. Uh, And believe believe me, the conversation has gone to whether we could maybe get a fourth. Uh, But right now three seems like plenty. But um, I think, uh, 
you know, dogs are very, very social and companionable. Yeah. Uh, and on average, more so than cats are. And it just depends, like, uh, on what kind of personality your personality likes to be around. I, I like dogs because, for one thing, uh, you know, I, I love taking them for long walks in the woods or on the beaches mm. and uh, having a, a lot of mutual play and interaction. Dogs are the de- the descendants of wolves, and wolves live in family groups. And and cats are, they're different kind of animals. They tend to be more solitary. They, they tend to be more self-satisfied, and it's just a different kind of a dynamic, usually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's just dive right in really here. What kind of agenda does a dog really have? I think not too terribly different from a human agenda in your family. You know, a a dog is an individual because they know who they're with. And um, that's the same with humans. What makes us an individual is that we we understand that we are with other individuals. So dogs know us all individually. And um, what they want is they want a sense of belonging. They they want to know where home is. Um, Of of course, they want the minor physical needs that they have. They, They want enough food, and usually they want a shelter of some kind. That's pretty much uh what they want so to them relationships are very very important and a sense of the social landscape is very important if you take a dog for a walk they love the exercise and they love being out but what they're really interested in is sniffing around and trying to understand who was here most recently uh anybody i recognize anybody new and and in a way, it's kind of the same with us. I mean, we're not we're not as social about it when we go out, but we frequently go to the same places. We'll go to the same shorelines or 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 to the harbor, let's say near our house, and we we know basically what it looks like. But we like to go repeatedly because we want to see what's new, and it's very similar for dogs. Well, but we don't we don't walk into a restaurant and sniff the host butt. You know, there is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, do- but dogs but dogs don't shake hands. You know, they might think that that's as strange, right? <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, it, it when, um, you know, I, I ended up booking this interview with you, I started to really kind of pay a lot more attention. And, and I kind of felt guilty. I felt like, gee, you know, I'm wondering if, if I'm paying enough attention to my dog, you know? So I usually take him to... Um, a, a daycare, and I was working from home yesterday, and I decided, oh, I don't think I'm going to take him there. I want him to, to be with me. I feel like he needs to know that, that he's loved. And, um, you know, some people say taking a dog-to-doggy daycare, you know, five days a week is too much. I mean, I don't know. I think that they, they love that socialization, don't you? I think if they're used to it, they probably do. I think it depends a bit on the individual dog and, and, and how they were raised. You know, some dogs are very social and very confident. Some dogs are not confident, and, and they're either aggressive or they're frightened. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of that depends on how they're raised. I, wa- I want to circle back to your your snide and sarcastic comment about sniffing butts. And I'm going to guess, <laughs> you, can, you can tell me, I'm going to guess that you are wearing some scent that you put on this morning. 
Is that true? Um, that is true, yes. Okay, so there you go. So, All right. how different uh, is that? Okay. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, it was funny when my, my poor dog, oh, we had this horrible storm. Well, you know that storm that we had back, I don't know, I can't remember now, October or whatever. We were, you know, had power out for whatever, three or four days. Do you remember that horrible storm? Oh, yeah. Right. And I had a pot in um, my backyard, a planter, you know, for a plant. And the water, you know, it was raining and raining and wild. And and the rain got into the pot. And one day, uh, my dog was out there drinking that water. Turns out, this is gross. I don't know if I should even say that because people might not want to ever listen to me again. But there were four dead mice in there. Now, my dog was drinking this water. And he ended up getting this horrible, he got horribly sick. He ended up being in the hospital for four days. So, anyway, um, you know, my biggest concern was I knew he would get better. I, I'm, I'm sure of it. You know, I mean, he was he was kind of poisoned with whatever, you know, whatever it was. Um, but what my biggest concern was is, oh, he's not home, and, and is he missing me, and is he okay, and he's in this strange place. And, you know, the doctor would call twice a day. So he's totally fine. No, he seems very comfortable. He's relaxed. No anxiety. And I didn't really know what to make of that. I mean, I certainly trusted what she said, but I, I found it hard to believe that, you know, it, am I crazy that I, I am overly protective of my dog? And and couldn't he possibly, wouldn't he, in a strange environment, wouldn't that be horrible for him? Oh, it depends on the dog. You know, I mean, on the first day of kindergarten, some, some kids, they never turn around to look at their mother. And, uh, and, uh, and other kids are... Uh, cry all day and and feel terrible separation anxiety and it, and there's a range of that kind of thing with dogs as well mm-hmm. of our three dogs i would say that one of them would be frightened the whole time in a situation like that mm. because she is always very concerned that we are always together if uh if my wife is in the attic where her um, studio is, and I happen to be working in the living room, uh, that particular dog will go shuttling back and forth, and often she'll just keep barking at me until I go upstairs and and, uh, assure her that we're all together. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's one dog. And uh, another dog just um, basically keeps very low-key track on what's going on and is he's very he he absolutely loves strangers Mm -hmm. um and he would probably be you know do the most okay in in being in an unusual place with with unfamiliar people for a few days so it varies everything about dogs varies and everything about people varies exactly i was just gonna say i don't know why i'm laughing because i mean i i can get separation anxiety when i was a little kid my first grade the teacher called and said your daughter all she's doing is crying (laughs) of course i'm not really sure why i have no idea why Given, but anyway, right, that's another right. whole story. Um, so anyway, all right, well, we are going to take a short break. But when we get back, I really want to know, so who are, are we here on Earth with? Listeners, stay with us here. Don't go away. We've got lots more to cover. This is life. Don't miss I appreciate you hanging out with me. More talk on the way here on 95.9 WATD. What's it like to be in a movie or on TV? 
How does it feel to have your unique talent and skills shared with the world and immortalized? CP Casting knows that feeling. They hear about it all the time from the talented people they call upon. CP Casting works with individuals like you, actors who want to step up their profile, actors looking to continue growing their resume, and even non-actors who have a unique skill or even a profession that they can share. They match you up with television professionals, movie producers, photographers, advertising agencies, even local and independent projects. When you get booked, that's when the fun begins. Since CP Casting knows the business so well, they even offer classes at different skill levels, including basics of acting, auditioning for different types of media, and advanced classes. It's up to you to decide where you go in this industry. CP Casting can help you get there. Learn about CP Casting's resume submission process and what classes they have available for you at cpcasting.com. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat. Tides specializes in casual dining with food that's delicious, not pretentious. On a warm day, enjoy a frosty pint at their bar or the sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach. Or enjoy an incredible meal in their dining room anytime. Tides guarantees you great atmosphere with superior service. The menu at Tides is full of fresh high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out the drink menu at Tides for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with state-of-the-art tap wines. Tides is unbeatable anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. Visit TidesNahant.com. Plan a wonderful evening in Boston's North End, highlighted by one of the neighborhood's best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Renowned as one of the world's most authentic Italian restaurants, Antico Forno provides you with an unforgettable dining experience featuring world-class traditional Italian dishes cooked in their beautiful brick oven. Outdoor dining is now available too. Whether seated inside or enjoying an evening under the stars, when you eat at Antico Forno, you feel like part of the family. Antico Forno is open seven days a week. See their menu and make your reservation online at AnticoFornoBoston.com. You need help around the house. You need a handyman. How do you find just the one you're looking for? Go to locally owned and operated HandymanConnection.com. Handyman Connection puts you in touch with one of their carefully screened and background checked craftsmen. You get the best help around for maintenance, installation and remodeling services, carpentry, tiling and flooring, and assistance with aging in place upgrades to your home. Handyman Connection also provides you with free in-home estimates and a one-year written warranty on labor from one of their experienced professionals. Call 781-829-3030 or visit handymanconnection.com. Your connection to quality craftsmen on the South Shore. One call, one connection. This is life, don't miss it. Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca. On 95.9 WATD. And we are back, and I am speaking with Carl Safina. He is the author of 10 books, including the New York Times bestseller, Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel, and he is with us now. So welcome back, Carl. Hey, All right. All right, so you say humans tend to think 
that they are a perfect form of life and look at other beings that are similar to us, such as apes and monkeys, and think they are creatures in arrested development. That's wrong. Humans often act unwisely, stupidly, destructively. Humans are not superior to non-human animals. So who are we here on Earth with? Well, we're on Earth with a family of living things, the the only known life in the universe, certainly the only complex life in the solar system, maybe may the only life of any kind in the solar system. That's pretty much how it looks. Um, and And we are all one family from as far as anybody can tell scientifically, life has arisen only one time on this planet and spent about the last three and a half billion years proliferating into the living family that we see. And everything that is around now has made, you know, the whole journey with us to be here. A lot lot of things have come and gone, but everything that is around now has ancient, ancient roots, and that includes humans. So why is it that humans seem to think that they are so superior to anything that's, well, it's not non-human, they are human. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, excuse me, they are non-human, but they're still living creatures. So why is it that we think that we're so superior? And nothing really irks me more than someone saying, it's just a dog, or it's perfectly okay to leave your dog for, for 12 hours in the crate. It, well, I think, you know, no living thing is just anything. Every living thing is the current incarnation of a lineage that is millions of years old um you know to get a little a little more soft philosophical about it there is new there is no new life on earth everything that is alive is the result of some living cell directly passing life to something non-living and and making it alive. It, it never happens by itself spontaneously. All life comes directly, like like a relay race with a, with a lit torch. It comes directly from something that was already alive. And that has been going on, as I said, for billions of years. So, you know, the idea that uh, something is just a dog or just a bird is a way that we have blinded ourselves we've we've told ourselves a story of our superiority because there are some things that we do better than uh a lot of other animals we're we're incredible tinkerers you know we can we can devise all kinds of things but there are a lot of other animals that do a lot of things better than us many of them have much more acute senses Mm-hmm. Uh, many of them are much stronger, much faster. They can fly. Uh, they can breathe underwater. But when they can do things that we can't do, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know, if it was a superhuman superhero, we would be impressed because that would be something like like our human selves. And you know, basically, we've told ourselves this story for a not very flattering reason, and the reason is partly our ignorance of, of who we are and, and why and how we're here, uh, and mainly because it gives us a free pass 
to treat things really badly. Mm. Yeah, I just it, it, yeah. I mean, I could get off on a whole tangent about you know having a pet, whether it be a dog or a cat or a bird or you know whatever it is. And um, it seems that so many humans um, think about them as like they are there to serve them. Um, to, to love them unconditionally, to give them, you know, to whatever they want. All you got to do is feed them and let them out to do their business, and, and that's enough. And that's just, um, to me, um, I don't know, I think that's very irresponsible. But, you know, it's, it seems that those that, that are really more, really think about their animals more truly as their companions, a lot of people would look at those people as being like really neurotic, like really like, you know, it's not a person, it's a dog, it's an animal, it's your pet. It's like, you know, stop talking to them. I mean, you know, I mean, people talk to their animals and they may not understand the actual words, although my dog has a decent vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) And he does. And by the way, my dog can count too. I'm sure of it because if I have three treats in my hand and I give him two, let me tell you, he's not going anywhere until he gets a third treat. So I know he can Uh count. I know he can count. (laughs) No, but we do kind of make them into people. And I know that they're not people, they are dogs. But what I'm saying is that if, even if we talk to our dogs, like I'm talking to you, no, my dog could certainly not understand this conversation, but he understands tone. He understands feeling. He understands grief. He understands joy. I mean, the science is there. Um, so The science is there, and they understand what kind of relationship they're having with you. And really, the you know, the main thing is kind of like, what what kind of relationship are you having with them? Are you creating with them? And that is partly a matter of what kind of person you are. That's right. Uh, yeah. When I was a kid, you know, we used to own a dog. I I don't feel like I own my dog. They they are family members. They're not human beings, but they are family members. I they're a responsibility that I have taken on, and I need to live up to certain standards uh, of behavior and responsibility and care. Um, I, I love my dogs to be happy and confident and healthy. And, um, you know, why, really, why would you want to do it otherwise? So, I, right. you know, I, I, I never, as I mentioned, I, I never think of my dogs as, as things that I own. I, I, I think of us as beings who are in a family together and um and and we're having a life that is uh, a life of relationship and and really you know if you look at like indigenous cultures or or other uh ancient cultures around the world their focus was all about relationships not not inventory and not hierarchy it was it was uh Mm-hmm. trying to understand the human place in the world by trying to uh, understand how how human beings can basically um, exert their responsibility to maintain balances and to be reverent and respectful to the things that are in the world and around us. Uh, it's really only our culture, which is now globalized, where we... We really just um, 
we really decline the opportunity to have respect for the world and the I other know. things that are alive in it. Oh, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's so sad. Um, Carl, you know, you have such a broad span of work. You t- I'm touching upon animals from elephants to sharks, sea turtles, chimpanzees. What common theme has your work shown you amongst animals, and more broadly, amongst nature, actually, in general? Uh, I think the most common theme is that all living things exert a lot of energy to stay alive. All, all of them can have states of well-being or states of stress. And with more complex living things, which we call animals, all of them try to avoid pain. And you can definitely base uh, a whole morality on that. You know, which, to make it simple, uh, you wind up with the golden rule as a starting point. Right, right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking with Carl Safina. He's the author of Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel. So, Carl, can you give us some interesting accounts of what animals are actually capable of? Well, uh, yeah, quite a few animals need to know, and they, and they do know with crystal clarity, where they are. They understand their territory and, and where to go for food and water. They understand what uh, constitutes an ally and what is, a, what is dangerous or who is dangerous, um, where to look for what they need and how to look out for things that are threatening. The, the animals that live in social groups often have lifelong, uh, lifelong relationships with individuals, sometimes family members, probably often family members, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking about um, elephants and whales and apes in that regard, often with family members who live together for decades. And in the case of whales i mean they travel thousands of miles over decades and the ocean is a very 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 big place if <laughs> if you're with the same individual 20 years later that you were 20 years earlier uh after after covering you know millions of square miles that is not an accident that is a that is a deep and profound relationship and those relationships are maintained with bonds that are emotional so we are going to take a, a short, another short break, but when we come back, then it might be interesting to talk about what animals can actually teach us about animal behavior. So listeners, stay with us here. We've got lots more to talk about. This is This is Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. We'll talk more in just a bit on 95.9 WATD. Have an enchanted evening at the Hawthorne Hotel's 2022 Masquerade Ball, Chapter and Verse. As the name suggests, this year's ball is inspired by the great masters of the written word and promises to be an evening of decadence, elegance, and style. Enjoy live entertainment, a DJ, complimentary photo station, light hors d'oeuvres, and a cash bar. Be sure you dress to impress as you might find yourself winning the costume contest. Certainly a story for the ages. See the hotel transform into an immersive literary experience that you will be talking about all year. Come for the ball or stay 
for the night at the historic Hawthorne Hotel. Ticket and room packages start at just $295. Tickets to the ball are $85 per person and include one complimentary alcoholic beverage. Make your reservations at HawthorneHotel.com. Ladies, are you tired of looking tired, noticing fine lines and stubborn wrinkles that won't go away? The professional team at Jolie Medical Spa in Marshfield offers Botox, fillers, all therapy, skin lifting and tightening, hydrofacials, IV hydration, and more. The warm and caring manner at Jolie Medical Spa will make you feel like you're coming in for a cup of coffee, but instead, you'll leave with a relaxed look on your face. Located conveniently at 435 Furnace Street in Marshfield, call them today at 781-248-5769 or visit them at www.joliemedspa.com to schedule your free consultation and know you are in the best of hands. Just wait for your friends to ask where you went on vacation because you know they will. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant, yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing. And best of all, it's reasonably priced. The best kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112. That's 617-523-3112. Or visit terramiaristorante.com. I'm Francesca Luca, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back. Let me reintroduce my guest, Carl Safina. He is the author of Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel. He has also written 10 other books, but anyway, this is the one that we're talking about tonight. So, uh, Carl, before the break, uh, you were we were talking about um, whales, and, and so what can animals teach us about human behavior and, and relationships? Well, one of the things is that for those social animals that have long-term relationships, and and we are one of them, Mm -hmm. that relationships are really the most important thing in life and the thing to pay the most attention to. The, The other is that although any animals that live in groups inevitably have some social frictions, they all also have skills to patch up and get beyond those things. You can easily see that with dogs. If there's any kind of problem with, with dogs or between you and the dog, they they want to smooth it over quickly and be done with it. They don't hold grudges. <laughs> I'm but just I mean, laughing because a- I'm thinking when I'm on the phone, if I'm on the phone too long, my dog starts to pout. <laughs> Well, first he'll, he'll, he'll do a little. Well, first he'll do a little whining. Then he'll do a little barking, and then I'll give him a look like I'm on the phone. Do not do this, and he understands that completely. And he'll uh-huh. he'll crawl under the chair or under the table, and he'll do a deep breath, and then he'll pout. And I know he's pouting, so um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, our our dogs kind of know that when we're on the phone, they're they just have to wait until we're off. They've they've learned that over time. <laughs> But I think the other the other really crucial thing 
is uh, so patient levels of violence in in other animals. Mm. There's essentially nothing like warfare among other animals. I mean, chimpanzees have skirmishes with adjacent groups. Some of them are violent, and occasionally they kill one another, but but never at the kind of scale that. Uh, that humans do. And if you look at apes, you know, some people think that human violence is like an animal tendency, but it's not. It's a human tendency. If you, if you look at the other apes, gorillas are very peaceable. Bonobos are very peaceable. Orangutans are very peaceable. Chimpanzees can be violent with each other, and humans can be very violent with each other. The, the only ape that ever kills an individual that they may have known for 10 or 20 years is chimpanzees and human beings. That's it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things that we can learn from other animals is that our tendency for aggression and violence is a, is a strange outlier among other animals. Do, uh, do um, animals, then they must not have an ego, right? Because isn't that what causes so much violence in people? Ego, power. Well, it depends, depends what you, depends what you mean by ego. But um, if you if you're referring to you know like the ambition for status, mm -hmm. um, that is very very widespread. But the way it gets exerted is usually not with violence. There may be you know a brief contest. Uh, a, a, a minor dominance hierarchy gets established, and that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's only you know chimpanzees are more like us in that regard because they will plot sometimes for years at a time, and then and they they, they get allies to they form these uh, alliances, and then when they think that the time is right to violently overthrow the existing most the existing dominant individual uh, a huge fight will erupt if you contrast that with elephants let's say that the leading elephant is the oldest one and she leads because everybody knows she knows the most mm -hmm. and she can get them she can get the family through hard times because she's lived through hard times and she knows what to do so that's you know like being in an elephant society is it's a meritocracy if 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 you if you know the most that can help everyone survive then then you are the dominant individual people and you don't dominate you you simply lead by example the other ones i said people the the other individuals will will follow because they respect your knowledge and and that that's kind of an ideal society Oh, but sure, over, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, over on this side, it doesn't always work that way. The, the, the so-called leaders are often not the ones that are the smartest or have everybody's interests foremost in their mind oh, and in their actions. Gosh, let's not go there. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's obviously, I mean, there's, like, let's take families, for example. You know, there are families that, you know, people are estranged from their families, and, I mean, that's just, and that's so widespread, you know, and, um, or friendships, they fall apart, and, you know, they, they don't work out. Relationships don't work out sometimes. So how is it that animals' relationships always work out i mean 
they've they've got to just like people they've got to have certain personalities they've got to be there's got to be some animals that are neurotic some that have more anger some have more sadness some have more joy or or am i wrong do they i i don't i don't think that's right for most free living animals i i think um you know i think most of them are about the same as far as emotional levels like that. I think I think these very varied emotional levels among people and relationships that break up all the time. I think that that is more a response to the very unusual stresses of modern life. The way that the human mind evolved was in pretty small groups of maybe a few dozen or a hundred individuals. Often you would know everybody for the for your whole life. The age mates that you grew up with are are people that you would maintain a relationship with lifelong. I, I don't think that for most of human history and the way that the human mind works emotionally that this kind of upheaval was common. But now we live in societies where uh, we, we frequently are amidst all kinds of strangers. There are all, all kinds of stresses and fracture points. Uh, many of us are compelled to move long distances instead mm-hmm. of stay on, on a home territory that we know well. I mean, all of these things are really very, very unnatural, and we have a variety of not well responses to those kinds of stresses i think well that's like you know animals that are put in in shelters and and like pit bulls i mean that's a you know that's a perfect example dare i mention pit bulls because i know those you know i'm just afraid of pit bulls that's just the way it goes um but you know i mean i've obviously heard a million times it's the owner you know who brings the dog up a certain way um but you know those personalities i don't think are similar to a bichon well Different different breeds of is a slightly different topic. Different breeds of dogs do have generally different personalities, but okay. they were bred that way because behavior has a genetic component. You can breed dogs that are much more complacent or or much more aggressive, mm-hmm. and that has been done. Okay. So yes, okay. a lot of it has to do with the upbringing, but I think that the I think that the trigger points among different breeds are are different and are a matter of breeding and that's that's a thing that people okay. injected there that's not okay. uh, an entirely natural thing so that's an, an upbringing thing <laughs> um so let me just ask you switch here just a bit because i think it's interesting that um dogs today um you know they they get ocd they get anxiety they get depression just like people so it's it's been said. I don't know whether the vets are onto something or not. Um, and then they're given uh, drugs, the same kind of drugs that that people go on, and they respond to the same drugs as we give to people who have these conditions. What would you say about that? Well, what would you say about that? Well, I would say it that, says, that, that what really I would say about that. Thing. I would say that um, to me that would indicate that our brains are the same. Right. Exactly. That's that's the only thing it, it could possibly mean, and that's what it shows. It mm-hmm. shows 
it shows that under the skin we really are kin mm -hmm. and that we work in very, very similar ways. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, then in that case, what does a dog's licking behavior communicate? Because, I mean, we don't go around licking people, right? <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes we do. <laughs> Well, that's true, but does it does it communicate? Um, you know, is, is is it a breed? Is it a pacifying behavior? Is it is it I love you? I mean, I I've had two Bichons in my life, and my first Bichon would never think about licking me. Actually, although would lick my ex husband. Now, this uh -huh. Bichon that I have will not stop licking me. It drives me almost a little crazy. I'll be like, stop the licking. <laughs> You know, but well, I am curious, like, what the difference is. I think it's a kind of a funny thing, what makes some animals look and others not. I think with I think with dogs that are, let's just say, reasonably behaviorally well-adjusted, um, licking is their version of petting. Mm, okay. they, they, they don't have palms of hands to caress. They do it with their tongue. Okay, all right, all right. Well, yeah, I guess that... Uh... I'll, I'll have to buy into that one. That's, I guess that's just the way it goes. But from the, the day I got my dog, he was just a big licker. And just everybody, everybody, he's supposed to lick everybody. He's just a little sweetheart. But <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we have, uh, you know, like I said, we have three. And one of, one of them we call the washcloth. <laughs> and, uh, and the other two are uh, a, a little bit more restrained with their tongues. Uh, Oh, God. Um, we do need to take a short break, but when we come back, I, I want to know if dogs have a functional understanding of emotional expressions. In other words, can they read our facial expressions such as um, anger or sadness? So listeners, stay with us here, marinate on that question, and we will be right back. I'm Francesca Luca, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. Need a reliable place for your pet? Does your dog crave extra stimulation instead of social isolation? Sign up for doggy daycare at the Dog's Den in Pembroke. With two separate yards and plenty of supervision, your dog will have a ball and tug-of-war toys and plenty of new friends. The Dog's Den also specializes in grooming. Each groomer at the Dog's Den has decades of experience and will leave your furry friend refreshed and ready for their next adventure. Schedule your grooming or daycare today at thedogsdengrooming.com. A whole new house is a lot right now. Redesigning your current home could be just what you're looking for. Consult with interior designer Grace Beltrame. If you're just moving in or would like to get the most out of where you've been, Grace Beltrame can make any house a home or your current home even homier. Find the best color scheme for any room. Bring out the brilliance every room was meant for with a lighting and floor plan. Grace Beltrame is also a professional organizer. Find out what you've been missing in the kitchen and make your closet space pop with organizational elegance. You know those shows where someone rehabilitates a home they just bought? Your project is just an after picture waiting to happen. It doesn't have to belong to anybody but you. Call Grace Beltrame today at 508-493-8604. 508-493-8604 and bring out the beauty in your home. Who doesn't go to the hair salon to liven up their looks? Though sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. You can expect something different at Hair Design Fationa. 
with a super modern feel that can hardly be mistaken for suburban, a full-service hair salon they offer cuts, color, highlighting, and formal design. Fationa is originally from Europe where she owned her own salon. With an impressive following, she won't disappoint. I know because I can tell you from my own experience, I felt transformed and you will too. So if you're looking to turn a few heads, call Fationa today at 781-964-3770. Conveniently located at 834 Washington Street in Braintree or visit her on Facebook. That number again is 781-964-3770. Call today, you'll be thrilled. I know you will. You're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. The talk continues on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back, and I am just having a blast. I hope you're enjoying the show, Carl, as much as I'm enjoying interviewing you. This is just, this is a real blast, learning all sorts of things. It beats working. Okay. (laughs) My guest is Carl Safina. He's the author of Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel. So before the break, I had asked you, do do, uh, dogs have this functional understanding of our emotional expressions? Like, in other words, can they read our facial expressions such as anger or sadness or joy? I mean, I don't know. You know, I know that some dogs, if... If you're sad, they'll come over and, you know, be with you. If you're crying, um, I've never had that experience right. with a dog. Um, if I, right, get, if right. I lose my temper a little bit, though, my dog will come over and kind of sit beside me. But I know for sure, and I don't know if that's just coincidental, but I do know that, you know, if I'm all excited and happy, you know, he picks right up on that. You know, like if there's a great song on the radio, I start dancing around the house, and he'll, he thinks he's going to dance with me. <laughs> So I'm just yeah yeah yeah. So I'm curious about that, yeah. or if that's just coincidental. Well, I, they are they are very very sensitive to our moods and body language. I I I've tried to pay attention to whether they can read our face alone. I I think to a certain extent they can, but when we express our moods, we we don't just use our face. It usually involves our whole body, mm-hmm. and they seem to pick up on on our moods really really easily uh, you know if if there seems to be something wrong um, like you said you know if if you're emotionally upset they they know that often they do come and try to offer their comfort in the form of uh, you know very close proximity or, or actually coming to lie against you or or, um, or or sit you know leaning against you Um and, uh, you know, so like a lot of that also is kind of similar to what people do. Um, if you're with somebody, let's just say you're with somebody and they, they fall down, they slip on a step or something and they fall down. Everybody, everybody rushes over and, you know, what they say is, are you all right? Are you all right? Because in the moment, that's the only thing you can do is to say, are you all right? And, um, and I've seen exactly the same thing happen with the dogs. I was bringing a load of firewood to the to the house uh, in a wheelbarrow a couple of weeks ago, and um, the the path was icy. And I and I thought, well, I'm holding on to two parts, you know, the two handles of the wheelbarrow, 
so I'm sort of like a tripod here, and I and I don't I don't have to worry too much about slipping. But of course, what happened? Mm-hmm. I slipped. Right. And uh, and the and the instant that I went down, um, the, the dog that I had with me, you know, she just came rushing over to me mm-hmm. and and sniffing and licking, and Aww. and that's that's her version of saying, "Are you all right?" The, the dog cannot then. Uh, call 911 if there's a bigger problem, or, although there are all kinds of stories right. about... Right, I was just thinking know, that, yeah. <laughs> hero dogs, you know, going to get help, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so they know what's going on, and they care about your well-being if, if, if you're a person that they know and they care about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to ask you about the sensory world of dogs, because I know it's quite different so i hesitate to tell my dog say to stop barking because he can be a big barker he sees a dog near his territory you know he'll run up to the door and bark like a lunatic and i think it can be a little excessive um but maybe truly is is what my dog thinks is necessary from his point of view so what do you you know so what do you say about that yeah, well, again, we have three, so we have points of comparison. Mm-hmm. One is one is very barky, and she was raised. When, when we got her, she was kind of neurotic. Um, she she didn't get the right kind of attention, and I think she developed a tendency to bark more than she probably would have. And it is annoying, and we're we're always telling her to be quiet. Uh, the other two. <laughs> We we have uh, she she very seldom barks for no reason, but if she has any reason at all, she usually verbalizes it. Um, Maybe she's just an obsessive talker. Have, yeah, she is. She's an obsessive talker. Another one. He he barks if he wants you to pet him. He'll actually bark. That seems unusual. Uh, and then the third only barks if there's. A really good reason, which most mostly is if if she is guarding or warning about something she thinks is out of the ordinary, or if or if one of us you know drives up to the house and uh, and she's inside, she'll she'll bark with excited anticipation, but not nev- never excessively. She tends to be pretty quiet, so they're all different. But it's interesting because yeah, my dog barks. And it seems like he's being super protective when someone's coming to the door. But then a second they come to the door, he's wagging his tail and, and kissing them. So, I mean, that's not really very protective. <laughs> you know, if it were a robber, it would be like, bark, 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 let you know the robber's there, but then let me lick his face. So what good would it do? Well, I, I think if it was a robber, I think you would see the dog reading the body language very differently, and the interaction would probably be different than, than all of that. But they are alarming they're alarming. They're saying somebody's here, and then they then they see that it's not a problem. So then they greet, and ah, I think that that seems appropriate. I think that's yeah. I think that's a, a very very good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, and, and also this alpha dog business, like oh my dog's an alpha, or my dog, I'm you've got to be the alpha. And you know, I have never looked at my relationship with my dog that way. I look at us as equal partners. Now, um, as as long as I give him what he needs. When he is being manipulative, I refuse to acquiesce. Um, and the one thing that I can't stand, which I believe my pet is finally, he's just two years old, has outgrown, is the whining. That drove me absolutely crazy. But 
you know, other than that, I mean, you know, if my dog asks me for something, I want to give it to him. Now, I have to admit, I have to be careful because there was, you know, one little short period of time where, you know, I was training him and he would go out, he'd do his business, he'd come back in, he'd get a treat. And, but he kept doing this repeatedly, and then I actually had to take him to the vet thinking the dog had a damn urinary tract infection. Well, no, he didn't. He just learned that he goes outside, he gets a treat. So he kept doing this back and forth, back and forth, and I finally watched him one day. It's like, wait a minute, this dog isn't doing his business. He's going outside to get it so he can come in and get a treat. Smart little guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he trained you. He trained me. But, you know, and it is funny, too, because people, you know, everyone always thinks their dog is the smartest, right? It's like their kids, right? You know, like, oh, oh my God, is this what people do about the, you know, with their children? But yeah, yeah. everyone always thinks that their dog is the smartest. I think all dogs are equally smart. I don't think there are any dumb dogs. Do you? Yeah, I think there probably are some that are dumb. I've never met a dumb dog, but but there are some dogs I would say are smarter than others. I think uh, I think there are. You know, again, I think it's comparable to the range you see in people. There are some smarter ones and some that are less smart, and I think that's true with dogs as well. Uh, I want. I mean, let me let me yeah. say this. Uh, I want to answer your thing about alpha. Oh yeah. In and as I said, all dogs are descended from wolves, yep. and the, the the alpha in a wolf family, which we call it a pack, but it's a nuclear family. It's mom and dad and their kids. And the alpha doesn't boss around their family. That That is a dysfunctional thing to do, and it doesn't achieve any purpose. The, the alpha leads by example, and the others follow because she knows what is good from mm-hmm. experience. She, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and usually it's with wolves, it's usually the female who is a little bit more of the leader of the pack. Um, it tends to be that the males tend to look to the male, and the females tend to look to the female. But then, but then the adult male, the, the father, also tends to look a little more to the female when she decides, okay, we're going to rest or we're going to travel mm-hmm. or we're going to hunt. They they. They tend to focus on her, but it's again, it's it's not, uh, you know, it's not a boss thing. That the idea that the alpha is the boss and that the alpha needs to reinforce their authority is a is a somewhat demented human view of it, and an, <laughs> a, you know, an excuse for bad behavior. It's not. It's supposedly patterned after wolves, but if you look at wolves, they simply don't do anything like that. Right, right. We, Carl, we just have about a minute and a half left, and I just want to ask you. Um, st- I hate to put you into a box, but um, is there anything that I? Ha- yeah, there's a million questions that I haven't asked you, but is there anything that you want to share with our listening audience be- before we say good night in this 90 seconds we have left? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much that we could talk about along these lines, which oh, yeah. is which is why I've written these books about it. Um, but I think, you know, when you when you look around at the rest of the living world, and or, or you or you just look at your pets, or you look at the birds at the bird feeder, our, our normal tendency is to see these things as a collection of things, right. and really. What they are, are they're really manifestations of relationships. You know, a, a bird is 
there only because there are relationships in the world that have made that bird a possibility. In the moment and over all of the evolutionary history of that species, and and the same is true for all living things, plants, animals, pets, and people. We, we're all to, to really see what we are is the relationships that our existence indicates, not not a collection of things, okay. but. Uh, an aggregation of relationships. Carl Safina, author of the New York Times best-selling book, Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel. Pick up a copy and the fifth emailer to info a talk with Francesca will get a free copy. So jump on your computers now. Carl, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I have just absolutely loved chatting with you. Learned so much. Well, me too, and it, it was great to be with you, and I really, really appreciate it, and it was a lot of fun. All right. We've got to wrap things up. We've got to say goodnight. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. If you missed part of the show, do hop on over to my iTunes page where you can listen there. See you next week, same time, same place. Make it a great week. <laughs> <laughs>